Hello everyone, it's Dr. Sam. I'd like to welcome you to my iClarity podcast. This is a show that offers cutting edge information on how to improve your vision and overall wellness through holistic methods. I so appreciate you spending part of your day with me. If you have questions, you can send them to hello at drsamburn.com. Now to the latest iClarity episode. Hey everybody, good evening, it's Dr. Sam. I'd like to welcome you to Facebook Live. And we've got a lot of questions tonight to get to. A couple of announcements. I'm gonna be teaching a three-day retreat, online retreat, in the beginning of October, October 7th to the 9th. It's called the Vision Sanctuary Retreat. And we're gonna be putting it up on the web store in the next week or so. So if you wanna sign up, that's a way to do it. If you have any questions, you can contact me at hello at drsamburn.com. I've taken a break from doing any online workshops for a few months. I'm working on some other projects. So uh, people have been asking when I'm going to be teaching again. And so here it is, the beginning of October. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Also, it will be recorded, so if you can't make it live, you'll be able to watch it uh, anytime you want, 24-7. You'll also get a 10% discount on all my products on my web store. So check it out. And uh, again, if you have any questions, just shoot me an email. So I want to start off the show tonight, and I'm going to take a question from a mom who lives in Australia and she has a daughter who's got a condition called ophthalmoplegia. It's kind of a complicated uh, disease. And I wanna give you a little background on this condition. So her daughter was diagnosed with this progressive degenerative disease. It's basically a problem with the eye muscles uh, and it can be very deteriorating. But anyway, she was first diagnosed at age 10, was referred to an eye specialist because the eyelid was drooping a bit. We call that ptosis, where one of the eyelid actually comes over the eye and the eyelid gets weak. So she had many tests uh, around her, her eyes and the nerves and nothing was recommended at the time. Now at 30 years old, the eyesight in that particular eye where the lid is drooping is uh, getting worse and she wants to know what I think. Okay, so in this particular condition, so we have six eye muscles that attach to the eyeball externally. We also have internal muscles that attach to the lens of the eye and it, the, the muscles in the eye change the curvature of the lens, and this is how we get to focus up close, release the focus, look far away. So in any case, in this particular eye muscle condition, there is a progressive deterioration, and there are not many reasons why we develop it. Obviously, there can be 
you know, conditions like having a tumor, uh, having a viral infection, trauma is another reason. So the thing is, is that, you know, when you've got this kind of deteriorating eye muscle condition, the first thing I would do is I would go to a functional medicine doctor and I'd find out if there's any heavy metal toxicity, if there are problems with the thyroid, that can be another issue. I would also check the circulation and make sure the circulation in the brain is working properly. You may need to get an MRI just to make sure that there are no tumors or neurological, there's no neurological disease going on. Now, in terms of treatment, I get it. You know, in conventional eye care, there really isn't a whole lot you can do. I guess you could do Botox injections, which would help temporarily. You could also, maybe if there is a, a drooping in one of the eyelids, you could maybe do some uh, eyelid surgery to bring that lid up. You know, whenever the lid comes down over the eye, you're going to be developing what we call lazy eye or amblyopia because the eye is not getting stimulated. And so it is a conundrum. In my uh, experience, I've treated uh, many kids who have this situation at different degrees. I think, first of all, it's important to rule out, you know, all the you know, the general disease causes that's neurologically and neurodegeneratively, also circulation-wise. You know, make sure there's no tumors, there's no, you know, anything going on that could be causing the eye muscle weakness. Now, once you get through that, what I know is, is that the brain directs the eye muscles. It's the brain that tells the eyes where to aim and where to look. And this is a skill set that children begin to learn very early on. In fact, we start learning how to use our eyes pretty much after we're born. And especially when we start exploring the world and we're motoring, we're on our belly, we're creeping and crawling, we're falling down, we're getting up. And so vision is a learned skill. We can remap the brain to improve our vision at any age. So we have, to, we have to note that. And every part of the eyeball originates from the brain. Embryologically, we know that the eyes originate very early after conception. So we need to work with this from a perspective of stimulation, re-education, and whole body. So what that looks like is that I would certainly, even though this, this person now is 30 years old, I would test the very early primitive infant reflex patterns. Those primitive reflexes are motor patterns that actually, if they're not fully integrated in the brain, they do affect visual development, visual coordination, and the eye muscles. And so I would definitely test those out. There's probably some issues going on there. I don't know anything about the birth or the first couple of years of life, but if there was any birth trauma or gestational trauma, those things can definitely impact our sensory motor development. You know, I learned this working many years with occupational therapists, physical therapists, and, you know, I spend some time every month working with special needs kids. I've been doing it for a long time. 
And uh, these are kids with pretty severe neurological you know, obstacles, and yet they're able to improve their sensory motor systems and improve their vision even with these obstacles in the way. And then I would do some vestibular stimulating things. You know, the vestibular system, our inner ear, is so connected to our eyes. Now, the vestibular is important in our orientation. Where are we in space? Where are we, where are we going? Where have we come from? And the vestibular system and the visual system work together to help our proprioception, that's knowing where our arms and legs are as it relates to our body and the world, so that even if we've got a visual deterioration or a visual defect, if we do some rotation, body rotation things, we stimulate the vestibular system, it helps the eyes know where to learn to aim and focus and coordinate together. So we're using the brain and the vestibular system to see if we can stimulate the visual system and the eye muscles. I would also do some bilateral cross-patterning exercises and, you know, probably some, some basic things to see if we could improve things like the peripheral vision and the depth perception. And in terms of the, the ptosis, the eyelid weakness as part of what some of the symptoms are, I would certainly start instituting some craniosacral therapy, some osteopathic craniosacral, somebody that, that is skilled in being able to see what the restrictions are in the bones around the eyes and the face, what the fascia and connective tissue are doing, what the cervical spine and the spine and the sacrum in terms of movement and fluid flow. Many times if you start stimulating the lymphatic system and the fluid body, you can sometimes reduce the ptosis and you can actually have the person reconnect to getting more eyelid control. Again, it's a process. This is not a quick fix. I mean, if you want a quick fix in terms of the eyelid, Botox would be the way to go. I'm not a big fan of Botox. There are certain cases where it might help, you know, people with Parkinson's disease or, you know, neurological deficiencies especially that affect the eyes and vision, uh, Botox sometimes can give you a jolt or it gives you, you know, better muscle control for a little bit. Anyway, um, I would also consider things like color therapy, maybe some sound healing, some acupuncture. In other words, I would go full on to see if I could help improve the, the meridian energies in the body from the top of the head to the bottom of the feet. And then on a functional medicine level, I'm curious about the magnesium levels and all the other trace minerals like zinc and selenium, chromium. Uh, magnesium is really important as a governing factor for eye muscle control. I would check the glutathione levels and glutathione is that master antioxidant that really helps boost the, the you know, detoxification pathways and also helps in uh, improving the mitochondria function, the ATP. Another thing I might try would be red light therapy. You know, uh, there's a very high concentration of mitochondria in the retina and in the eye itself. So doing a few minutes of exposing yourself to red light therapy every day could also help the visual system. So there are lots of exercises that you can do, physical, physical eye therapy exercises, and I think what you have to face is that 
This is a process of re-education, of retraining, of remapping, and getting the brain and the eyes more online. And as long as there's no tumors or deteriorating neurological conditions, then you do have a chance at the very least of being able to slow down the condition. And I think that even with losing the eyesight in the eye with the eyelid uh, drooping, I think there are things that you could do to stimulate the, the eyes to um, be able to at least engage your visual system with your brain and body better. So uh, I want to thank you, Sharon, for the question and best of luck to you. All right, let's go to uh, Sangeetha. Good evening. Can your blue blocker glasses be worn over regular prescription glasses? For those with progressive lenses, is it okay to wear the clip-on over the blue blockers? Does wearing two different lenses cause any problems in vision? Is it okay to wear uh, fit-over sunglasses over progressive lenses? Well, you know, it's okay to wear, you know, two sets of prescriptions. However, it may create more distortion and more eye stress to do that. And you know, it may be worthwhile for you to invest in a really good pair of glasses in the most visually intensive situations that you're using your eyes. And I'm not a fan of progressive lenses. I can't tell you the number of patients that uh, call me or email me or come to my office who are just struggling with their vision. And a part of it is because they're trying to focus their eyes through a a tiny window in the center of the lens and they're disregarding the most important part of their vision, their peripheral vision. So one idea might be to go to your eye doctor and ask him or her for a specific computer prescription. This would be one lens, one lens, and you could get the blue blocker in it. And that by far would give you the most ease and comfort. It would also improve your performance and reduce your stress to get that pair of glasses for that particular circumstance. Now, in terms of sunglasses, again, it depends on, you know, what you're doing. If you're just walking or driving, um, again, when you're using a split lens, the only part of the, the lens that's usable for distance is maybe the top fourth of the lens and the rest of the lens, it's going to be blurry if you look beyond 14 to 22 inches. So it's a very distorting experience to try to look through split lenses. Again, it's worth it for you if you, you know, work with your eye doctor or an optician to get a really good pair of sunglasses. I like either neutral, gray, uh, neutral brown or neutral gray tints. Uh, those are the best, although you, know, you can use other tints as well and then you can decide how dark you want to go. If glare bothers you, if light sensitivity bothers you, then get a darker tint on the sun lenses. I'm not a fan of polarized glasses because with polarization, your right eye and left eye are, are, are competing with each other to try to bring the two eyes together, and it can be very confusing and stressful for the brain. So, you know, unless your visual system is working at a super high level, I would not get the polarized. However, I do think, again, it's better to get a single vision lens or a lens, just one pair of glasses, and not try to put 
you know, glasses over a pair of glasses you're already wearing. Certainly the clip-ons would be an easy alternative, but if you're using progressive lenses, again, it's putting a lot of pressure on your eyes to try to look through, look through those tiny windows and you're excluding the most important part of your visual system, which is your peripheral vision, your side vision. Peripheral vision is so important for memory, depth perception, your balance, your orientation. And when you wear progressive lenses, it's like you're putting your, putting your vision in a straitjacket. And although you have the convenience of being able to, you know, change your focus, you know, conveniently, it's costing you a lot of energy to be in that, that very tight, narrow type of experience. So do what you can. I know you got a budget going, but um, these are your two eyes, the only eyes you have. So save your money and shop around and get something that is close to your eyes and don't have all these lenses and, and um, filters between you and, and the world. Okay, so now we're asking about organic hexane-free castor oil. Uh, I think that castor oil in small dosages really helps heal the skin. You know, if you did a kind of a retrospective on the benefits of castor oil, you would see that it's anti-inflammatory, it supports the collagen health, it's boosting the, uh, the, the eyelid, in this particular case, when you massage it on the eyelids, it helps moisturize the eyelids, and that's the place where the glands live, so that when you're uh, when you're using this little bit of castor oil on the outside part of your eyelids at night, you are moisturizing your eyes in a way that's pretty sustainable. And, you know, if you're dealing with something like cataracts, you could certainly do something like NAC or carnosine. Uh, those things can work well. Kind of depends on the type of cataract you have. So if you've got a cataract that's a cortical cataract, this would be a cataract that is like spokes around the edge of the lens. And by the way, when you go for your exam and you are diagnosed with cataracts, ask your doctor, do you have a nuclear cataract that's in the center in the front of the eye? Do you have a posterior subcapsulary cataract that's in the center part in the back? Or do you have a cortical cataract that's the one that's around the edges? So if you have a cortical cataract, there's a glycation process going on where the glucose molecule attaches to the protein molecule of the lens, and this starts the uh, slow deterioration of developing sugar-based cataracts. So eliminating all sugar, dairy, gluten from your diet is important, and then using something like NAC or carnosine could be helpful in disrupting that glycation process. In a nuclear cataract, what happens is this is more of an aging antioxidant accumulation. And in that particular case, I would tend to use more of a, a glutathione vitamin C cocktail. And there's an eye drop out there called Oclumed, O-C-L-U-M-E-D. You've heard me talk about it. You can get it from collegepharmacy.com. That particular eye drop's got glutathione and vitamin C in it. And that would be better if you have a nuclear cataract or a posterior subcapsulary cataract. The cortical cataract is going to give you some halos. 
It's going to give you some light sensitivity, but your center vision is probably going to still be good. With a nuclear cataract, that's where things get pretty foggy and blurry pretty quickly. And so you have to note that how much you want to tolerate that blurriness before getting the intraocular lens put in. And in a posterior subcapsulary cataract, you have a little bit of blur, but where it really affects you is when you drive at night and you get sunbursts and, and uh, glare and light sensitivity. So it has a little bit of the same thing as uh, the cortical cataract, but the cortical cataract, usually you can maintain your, your clarity a little bit longer. So as long as you have you know, as long as you know what you're dealing with, then you can apply either the carnosine or the NAC if it's cortical or if it's nuclear or posterior subcapsulary, then you can use the Oclamed. The MSM 5% eye drops are wonderful to take as a, as a preliminary. So you put those in first and that helps, uh, accompany the second eye drop more deeply into your eyes. I wait about 30 seconds after putting in the 5% MSM and it could sting a little bit. And then you put in the second eye drop. I would do that two to three times a day. And if it's going to work, you'll start seeing some improvements pretty right away. And it takes about three to six months to get rid of those cataracts. If your body is ready to do that, you know, with some people, the cataract gets worse. So you just have to see how much you tolerate the blurriness, distortion, the glare, and so on. And if you have to get surgery, the cataract surgery is the best one to get. It is a very high success rate. And uh, so it's, it's a good one if you have to go there. Remember, if you do get cataract surgery, you want to protect your eyes from the damaging blue light afterwards. So make sure you supplement with lutein, zeaxanthin, 16 milligrams of lutein a day, 6 milligrams of zeaxanthin, those are the plant carotenoids, and about 6 to 12 milligrams of <clears throat> the marine carotenoid astaxanthin. You want to do that daily. That's going to protect your macula against the, the damaging blue light. <clears throat> and then wearing blue blockers for all your screen time. So a lot of times the cataract surgeon doesn't tell you that the intraocular lens doesn't have a filter on it. So you have to be proactive and, and just take charge and say, okay, I need to get blue blockers if I've had cataract surgery. All right, let's go to Rebecca. This, she says, this is an odd question. What would my right eye automatically, why would my right eye automatically close when I read or do any other detailed work? I wear trifocals. Well, whenever you start closing an eye, there's eye stress involved. And there's a, there's a reaction that your eye brain connection is having in trying to decide what part of the trifocal to look, look through. So remember, a trifocal is a very complicated optical system. Very complicated. You've got to deal with where the, you know, the line is. Uh, where you look, what segment you're looking through based on your angle of where you're looking and how far away you're looking. And when you start moving your eyes through the different compartments of the lens, it can be very dizzying, disorienting, nauseating. 
And so you have to start suppressing or shutting down your vision in order to be able to operate within this limited ecosystem. You know, the ecosystem meaning I got three lenses to look through in a trifocal. Which one do I use? And I'm not able to use my peripheral vision. I have to pinpoint my eyes through these narrow windows. Your right eye is saying, hey, I got to give up. I can't, you know, I can't deal with this. So again, you know, you can ask your eye doctor for a single vision prescription for the computer. If you also know your reading prescription, you can start off by going to the drugstore and getting a pair of full prescription readers so that you're using the whole lens and see if that starts to relax and open your vision more. I might also consider a couple of my vision therapy exercises and the ones that I would recommend for you would be three that and you can google them Dr. Google has all my eye exercises number one would be the animal eye chart that's an eye stretching exercise number two would be the yin yang peripheral vision exercise that's a soft focus visual coordination exercise so you do this without any glasses and then number three would be the palm hum that's the relaxation where you're putting sound into the eye tissue as a way to relax your eyes. I would say do those exercises three times a day, just spend maybe a minute on each one, and then move away from the trifocal, at least part-time, and get the single vision lens in your most intensive visual experience of the day, which is probably screen time or reading, and see if the, the right eye starts to play with the left eye again. So that's that would be my recommendation. All right, Donna is asking about Oculomed eye drops. I bought a bottle, but I'm concerned with poly uh, pro, propylene glycol. Okay, so, you know, it's very interesting with these natural eye drops that they have to put a trace of these things into the eye drop as a way to keep the eye drop, first of all, sterile and also consistent. The amount of uh, propylene glycol in that uh, Oclamed is so minimal that the benefits outweigh this little um, ingredient they have to put in there to keep the eye drop consistent. The only way to know would be to experiment, to try it, put a drop in each of your eyes and see what the reaction is. Now, the Oculomed sometimes will burn a little, that's normal, but here's the deal. If you're working with trying to reverse cataracts, there's a couple of key essential ingredients that are necessary. Number one is glutathione. You could also uh, not use the Oculomed because of the propylene glycol, I get that. And you could use a liposomal sublingual glutathione. And you could also do a buffered vitamin C, about 2000 milligrams of that. Vitamin D3 is very important for a healthy lens. Also lutein, zeaxanthin, and astaxanthin. Now with the, the glutathione, I might consider a supplement with that. You can certainly get, get your sulfur-based uh, foods, you know, if you think of things like the cruciferous vegetables, garlic leeks, 
um, onions. You know, you can look at the sulfur-based foods. Make sure you add some selenium to that as well. That helps with the sulfur-based foods. You could do this all through the diet. And so you got to eliminate sugar. I would reduce or eliminate gluten and dairy. And I would eat mostly plant-based if you can. Again, um, you know, some people like to do something like the Mediterranean diet. But you want to get your rainbow of vegetables, the red, the orange, the yellow, and then the green. Maybe berries. You get to do some this time of year. You can get some really great strawberries or blueberries. So you could do this completely through the diet and just forego the Oculomed eye drops. I think to decide what kind of a cataract is it. Is it, again, cortical, nuclear, PSC? That would, that would give you information. If there's a cortical-based cataract, then you're dealing with a glycation process. So you're going to add something like NAC or carnosine. And again, you can do these through supplements. You don't have to, um, you know, use eye drops like the Oculomed where they have a little bit in this. So I think you have to decide, first of all, how ripe is the cataract? Is it really interfering? Do you feel like you've got some time to reverse it through diet? You know, when I first started in practice, before all these eye drops came on the scene, I used to counsel people just to eat better. You know, I, I would diagnose them with a cataract and I'd say, okay, this is what you do with your foods. This is what you don't eat. This is what you do eat. And I would say a very high percentage of them over a period of three months were able to reverse their cataracts just by changing their diet. So, you know, it's kind of up to you. I really hear you on the propylene glycol, but, um, you know, again, you, you just have to decide where you want to go with this and what you want to do. There's certainly ways to improve your lens health uh, by um, changing your diet. All right, let's go to Deborah. She's asking, what's an easy exercise for better peripherals? There's one right now called the hot dog experiment. So what you can do is take your fingers and I pull them maybe uh, about three inches from my eyes, but they're right at eye level. So for you, what I would do is look above your digital device so you're not looking at me. Put your fingers up there and look out in the distance. And what you're going to see is a little hot dog in the middle there. You can move that around. So my mental focus is at 20 feet and I'm just looking through my fingers. And right now I've got a really nice hot dog. And so I'm really working my peripheral. So that's one way to develop peripheral vision. Number two would be to practice walking backwards. So walking backwards requires you to look over your shoulder and to expand your 360 vision. Now, I would do this in a, an environment or a climate where there aren't a lot of moving objects or, you know, obstacles because you don't want to fall down, but practice walking backwards and that will open your peripheral vision. If you want to take it to the next level, get an eye patch and do it with the eye patch. Now, again, I would do this in, say, like your bedroom or your living room, someplace where it's safe for you. I don't want you to do it in the middle of, you know, the city where there's lots of places where you could fall or get hurt or anything like that. 
Now, the third uh, way to, to improve your peripheral vision is on my website is an exercise called the yin-yang peripheral vision exercise. And you can download the chart, print it out. You hold the paper up to your nose. You're looking at the two yin-yang symbols and you're mentally looking through it. You push the paper out and you all of a sudden get three yin-yang symbols. You take about 30 seconds, you move the paper and you keep the three yin-yang uh, symbols. Then you do that with the second pair. There are four pairs. There are four pairs of symbols on that paper. So you spend about a minute with that long focus or open focus to make the two into three. And that means both eyes are working together when you get the three and then expand the periphery by keeping the three while moving the paper. So those are all great ways for you to improve your peripheral vision. Peripheral vision is very tied into stress. So, you know, when you de-stress, meditate, get a massage, get some acupuncture or craniosacral, when your nervous system relaxes, your vision opens up. It's that simple. All right, Joanne is asking, what does it mean when the doctor says the eyelids are like heels up and down bumpy? Well, the eyelids are one of the major lymph systems of the eye. They house two glands, the lacrimal gland and the meibomian gland. The lacrimal glands are more by the eyelids and they're, they're more producing the aqueous, the watery part of the lids. And the meibomian glands are more up higher in the eyelids. They produce the oily layer. If you're not producing enough meibomian gland oil, the tears are gonna evaporate quickly. And so, you know, it's good to get the information on the eyelid health because that is a big cause of dry eye and other issues. So it kind of depends on how you want to play it, what your belief system is. Again, you could do a castor oil eye massage in the evening. You could do a eye bright tea, warm or hot compress in the evening. You could do a golden seal or go to cola or chamomile, those teas soothe the eyelids and with the castor oil massage in the evening I would probably do my MSM eye drops during the day you could do the MSM massage where you put a drop in each of the corners of the eyes and you massage on the eyelids that might work well um, and diet is a big thing around the eyelids so you know eating more of an anti-inflammatory diet increasing your fats and oils checking in with your thyroid health your adrenal health wearing blue blockers for all screen time. I mean, there's a lot of steps you have to take to see if you can rejuve rejuvenate the eyelids. Usually the eyelids like heat, so doing some kind of a heated mask can sometimes temporarily help how your eyelids are doing. But the thing is, is that if you've got, you know, this particular situation with your eyelids, it's congestion, it's inflammation. And so you've got to do some things to reduce inflammation so that those glands work better and they're able to hydrate your eyes. So those are some things that you can, uh, you can do. All right, let's go to Paula. She's asking, is it okay to do eye exercises with the eye that is healing from retina being reattached? Is halfway healed or should I wait until it's completely healed? Well, Paula, the, the one exercise that I would do, which is rejuvenating, is the palm hum. And that's the one where you cup your hands over your eyes and you do some humming. And I would do maybe eight to 12 hums and just notice after you're done how your eyes are feeling. Um, 
That's a relaxation exercise that's passive. I would not do anything active yet until you get the go-ahead from the surgeon that your retina is completely healed. Now, some other things that are interesting about, you know, the retinal reattachment is that you can sometimes get scar tissue. And one of the ways to get rid of scar tissue is you can do two digestive enzymes. One is called serapeptase. And this has been shown as a digest digestive enzymes to sometimes be able to, to disintegrate or dissolve scar tissue in the eyes. Another one you could use would be natokinase. So I would look into that and see if those things would would work for you as a way to get rid of the scar tissue. Another great eye exercise would be doing some color therapy. And you could use, say, the blue or the blue-green. You can get a gel and just or a pair of glasses and just let the color bathe your eyes. The blue and the blue-green are great for trauma and surgery. You can even do it with the eyes closed, you know, having the, the gel there and the eyelids will will titrate the amount of color getting in. So that's very, very gentle. So those would be some things I would do. I'd make sure you're really boosting your antioxidants, your probiotics, getting really good fats and oils. You know, the, the retina is made up of about 50% fatty acids. So the omega-3s are so important. I would really be loading up on omega-3, 2,000 milligrams a day, definitely. <clears throat> and, you know, really have a clean diet things like that, do some meditation, relaxation things, <clears throat> and visualization so you can heal from this quickly because it's the mind-body that really helps us heal from the surgery more quickly. All right, Laura is asking about drusen. You're scared to death of it. You don't need to be. So it's just a fatty deposit on the retina. It's pretty normal. Um, so with wet or dry, usually for most people, they start with the dry form, which is less serious. The wet form is going to create more distortion in the amsler grid. There's going to be fluid buildup behind the eyes. So I would definitely do a couple things. Number one, you need to do the carotenoids if you're not already. Um, lutein, zeaxanthin, astaxanthin vitamin A, make sure you're getting some zinc to help absorb the vitamin A. If you have issues with liver or gallbladder, I would do a bile salts supplement after, you know, uh, you take the vitamin A. Vitamin A, lutein, and zeaxanthin are fat soluble. And if you're not producing enough bile, this impedes your ability to absorb the, um, the fat soluble vitamins that are essential for eye health. Make sure you're getting enough omega-3s, wear blue blockers, and I would do my eye exercises. I'd probably do the one for macular degeneration. It's a 90-day program. Work each eye separately. Be really gentle. Um, so those are some things that I would say you could do. If you've got the wet, I would consider you know, maybe checking yourself for mold some people that get wet AMD, they've been exposed to mold and they're dealing with black mold in their body. I would definitely eliminate dairy because dairy makes your body more damp. Sugar is another issue. You know, with wet AMD, that's a precursor for diabetes or at least glucose levels that are out of whack. Maybe hook in with a functional medicine doctor. Talk to him or her about the possibility of intermittent fasting 
or the ketogenic diet. Again, I wouldn't do any of this on your own because you want to get some blood panels. Also, if you've been exposed to heavy metal toxicities, if you've got head trauma that's unresolved, or even getting some acupuncture might be helpful, especially with the macula situation. And finally, if, you're do, if you are dealing with drusen, especially drusen out of control, check your liver health, check your cholesterol levels. Uh, you might not be processing fat very well. Again, that's back to the bile salts. So the bile salts can help you process your fats and make sure you only eat good fats. If you're still really um, affected by this, you can always contact us at hello at drsamburn.com and I could give you a telemedicine session. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think I've answered all of your questions. So I want to thank you for tuning in and hopefully we'll get to see each other next week. If you want more of me, I will be on Instagram this Saturday at noon mountain time on my Instagram channel. I'm also going to be doing a special TikTok live. Uh, I don't know how many of you are, are doing TikTok, but I will be on TikTok live at noon mountain time on Friday. So if you want to learn more, if you want to get more Q&A, those are some ways to get me. Obviously, you can go to my website, drsamburn.com, check out my podcasts, blogs, video blogs, and so on. All right, everybody, I wish you well. Until next time, take care. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something from the iClarity podcast show today. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave a review. See you here next time.